But thank you for having me tonight. Just a few things before I jump into it. Uh, I've got Emily. Most of you by this point have probably filled one of these out. This little CCB card, Church Community Builder. But we are we are really trying to have everybody who's a part of our faith community in this. It's sort of kind of like a Facebook type deal, but it's it's going to do so much more for our church in terms of just being connected, getting information out, and there's changes coming up with the move to the new building and all that. So is there anybody in the house that has not yet filled one of these out? Seth and Emily are going to run to you. Just throw your hand high up in the air. If you're new to our community, you can if you'd like to. You don't need to, but uh, we want to make sure that everybody, we're going to keep talking about this until we feel like pretty much everybody has given in. So you might as well just go ahead and do it now because it will happen eventually. So uh, the, the second thing is we started doing this thing on the YouVersion Bible app. I know a lot of people bring the actual version, paper version of the Bible, which I personally prefer, but a lot of people are using tablets or phones or whatever it is. So if you are using an electronic device to follow along with the sermon and you go to your YouVersion app, if you have that, you can search I think you go to settings or more, and then you could search for live events, and it should pop up right there, things near you, or you could type in the zip code, and it'll probably pop up uh, just sort of the service that you're at here, Um, and tonight's message is called, Do You Have the Guts? So you could search for it on that, and if you're taking notes, you could write that down. Do you have the guts for everybody who's turning there or in your regular Bible? You could turn to Matthew chapter 14, that's pretty much where we're going to stay today. I feel like the Lord gave me this passage. Uh, it, was, it was about 11.45 at night, the other night, and I just I really felt like God just started downloading this message to me, and he, he gave me this passage in particular. So if you would turn there, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 13 together. So you guys ready? Everybody in? I think they're going to put it on the Sky Bible behind me too, but I'm going to read it right here. So if you would read along, direct your full attention. If you, if you hear nothing else tonight... Please just hear the word of God. This is what it says, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. It says this. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore and saw the great crowd, he had compassion on them. Everybody say compassion. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away from this place to go into their villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing, and he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces left over, and those that ate were about 5,000 men, women, and children. I'm sure most of you have heard this story before, and uh, I'm going to pray here in a moment, but I just want to kind of do something I usually don't do when I preach a message. Typically, what I, what I try and do is sort of build this message that will draw your attention in and get to this maybe place of crescendo at the end where I, I sort of drive the point home and sort of the purpose of it all. And, and I, I'm going to sort of show you my cards up front. Of course, the video announcements kind of talked about it already, but I just want to be clear about this because I, I think personally, uh, it really shouldn't be something that you just feel twisted into in the moment. 
I think that you should really reflect. I think you should really pray and seek God for what he would have for you personally because it's not like a prescription. It's not one size fits all. And so at the end of this message, we do this once a year. If you're new to our community, uh, please don't be alarmed and think that we're just all about money. But uh, at the end of this service, we're going to take a second offering. This is not your regular tithes and offerings. This is a special offering for two orphanages. 100% of the money is going to go outside of this house to Children's Village here in Coeur d'Alene. And El Rufu, El yep, mm-hmm. El, Ruf, El Refugio, Jamie? El Refugio in Honduras. Two orphanages, 100% of the money. And I was thinking, I was, man, you go to churches sometimes and they, they just talk about money and it's like, it, it sometimes offends people. And then I had this thought, you know what? If I was part of a church that didn't ask for us as a community to give money to somebody else outside of just spending it on ourselves, that would offend me. I'm so glad to be part of a a community of people that says, I will give, and we're not just going to build nice buildings for ourselves. We're going to give to other people. It has nothing to do with us. It doesn't bless us. It doesn't go to serve us. It goes to serve somebody else. And so I hope that you would buy into that. You're not giving to us as an institution. We're in this together. We're a family. We'll be receiving that, uh, that offering at the end of the service. But I wanted to get that out there because I didn't want you to, well, for one, to prepare you so you could even be praying throughout the service about that, but also, I don't want you to think that, that that is the singular point of this message, because I believe that God wants to sort of speak to you towards that end, but also towards this greater um, sort of message that you're going to hear me speak about here in a moment, so if you would just tune your hearts in to whatever God would have for you, that would be awesome, why don't we pray towards that end? Jesus, we come to you tonight uh, just on even, even playing field. Just think about all the things that are going on in this world, from the Middle East to Honduras and even in our own community, the Syrian refugees. And There's so much going on in our planet, God, and we are so blessed. We thank you, God, for everything that you've given to us, everything you've blessed us with. We thank you for your love and your forgiveness and your salvation. We thank you that you are here in this house right now and that it's going to be you speaking, God. Would you open up your word to us, open up our hearts to you and speak to us, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just see a show of hands. How many parents are there out there? Just people who have kids. Okay, okay, okay. See a show of hands. Anybody, not, you don't have children? No, no kids, not there yet, just a few. Okay, yeah, there's quite a few all over the room. Parents, you know that, uh, you know that sort of feeling you get from people that don't have kids? You ever feel that? You know what I mean? It's like you got the, you got the young engaged couple, like, say, Nate and Michaela here. And they're just so excited about their new marriage. And not that they said this, but you just, you ever get this sense that they're just like, oh, parenting one day will be so amazing. <laughs> and they just look at each other with these eyes and they say, hmm, it'll be so nice to have a little clone of you running around. <laughs> oh, yes, dear, that'll be great. It'll be amazing. Oh, you're going to be such a wonderful father. Oh, I know. You're going to be an amazing mom. You know that feeling you get, that sort of judgmental feeling that you get from those people that don't have kids? You know, like, like they know. You have no idea. You have no idea. There are things that you didn't even know were things that become almost impossible. I'll give you an example. This is what it's like. I'm stealing most of this from a comedian, by the way. I'm not as funny as I'm supposed to admit that right now. This is what it's like for those that don't have kids when they want to leave. 
Hey, you want to leave? Yeah, let's leave. That's it. That's leaving the house. You know what leaving the house is like when you have kids? All right, everybody, let's go gather up. Okay, where are your shoes? Go and get your shoes. I told you to brush your teeth already. Okay, where is Parker at? Parker, 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 Parker. JC, just hurry, please. The bus is here. And, okay, JC's hair looks like it has, like, a bird's nest in it. And sorry, Jess, I couldn't get to it, but it's almost impossible. You go out to the car. Okay, you know what? When you don't have kids, getting into the car is as simple as this. And you sort of slide that safety belt on there. You know what I'm saying? Dear... Wear your safety belt. I want to make sure the mother of my future kids is okay. So. You know what trying to strap a little human being into a car is like? Okay, I've got a short car, so it's like I'm picking them up, and I'm, I'm sort of trying to duck down and not throw up my back, but get their head under the thing, bonk in their head, and then, and then get them up under the thing and then up into the seat. And the, these straps, these car seats are ridiculous. I mean, there's no wonder that a kid is not going to die when they're in them because it's impossible to get those things jammed in, get the kids strapped in those things. I mean, there are things that you don't even know are things when you are a parent. It's impossible. Uh, you, you know, there's a special age. I wouldn't really call it special. It's like this, this horrible age, really. You, this is the age that I'm talking about. It's, it's the age where you literally can't go anywhere. It's the age where, where they're, they're um, old enough to walk, but not yet old enough to understand that holding an iPad and shooting little birds into buildings is fun. You know that age where if you go to the restaurant, you know that everybody in the restaurant is going to be casting judgmental eyes upon you? You know that age? I think it's like maybe one and a half or whatever. It's like they're not going to stay strapped into that little seat in the booth. They're going to want to be everywhere that they shouldn't be. And so you can't just like give them an iPad or whatever because they're not old enough yet to understand that. And so you just say, we're not going to go to a restaurant for the next six months. And then you just decide, you know what? The kids are being particularly great tonight, so let's just try it. You know, let's, Texas Roadhouse is loud. It's okay. Let's just go there, right? So, so you get them there, and then you got Parker literally running everywhere that he shouldn't be, back in the kitchen. Sorry, guys. I just didn't give him a kid. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, hey, you got the, you got the young 20-year-olds over there. What kind of parents are they? I would never. I would never allow my kids to behave that way. You have no idea. Me and JC, my five-year-old, we were in Costco the other day. Costco? Busy all the time. You know the Bible talks about uh, this word long-suffering? I looked it up in the Greek. I looked it up in the Greek. I looked it up in the Greek. You know what, you know what the actual biblical definition for long-suffering is? Taking your kid to Costco. That's long-suffering. That's what it is. That's actually the def- definition. So, so I, this is no joke, though. This is just last week. I was in Costco with my five-year-old. And typically, it's just, it just is what it is. They just, if you want to stop and talk with somebody, they're going to run ahead. If you want to say, hey, we've got to get in and out of here, run with me, they're just going to dawdle. And it's just, that's the way it is with kids, and it's, 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 it's awesome. Having kids is awesome. But this, this particular time, just a week ago, I'm in Costco. I had to go up to the customer service desk and get a receipt or something, and, and I'm standing there talking to the guy, and JC hadn't run off, which I expected her to do, but she was sitting, she, she's sitting like this. Just next to the customer service booth. 
And, and it was different than it normally is. I just, I, I looked at her and I knew that there was something different. Typically, I mean, there, there's fits and, and crying and, you know, oh, the world is ending if I don't get that lollipop and all that. But this time when I looked at her, I could see something was very wrong. I could see tears in her eyes, but I knew, I just knew it was different. And I looked at her, I said, JC, what's wrong? And she looks over, you know those people that do that job that you don't really know why they do it? They look at the receipt and... <laughs> she looks over, and, and I'm going to change the name just for her sake, but she says, Jenny. And Jenny is a, a friend of ours. She used to be our neighbor. She's, she's become like a, a grandmother to our kids. We just would, we were neighbors, but she would always, I say grandmother because every time JC would go to her house, that meant she got like an 18 foot long fruit by the foot and they made cookies. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, you got sugar there. So she's a grandma. <laughs> she's looking over and she said, she said, Jenny. And I, I immediately remembered that maybe an hour ago we had texted Jenny because JC said, I want to, I want to go see Jenny again. And Jenny wrote back and said, I've been in bed for about a month, month and a half. Jenny suffers from MS. And while that affected me and I was, I was sad and I felt for her, uh, I know that this is something that she's suffered from for some time and these episodes come about and so she takes off work and she's just basically sick for a month. But we had sort of moved on from that. But when I looked at my daughter, my five-year-old daughter, I could just tell that there was something very deep going on inside of her and it affected me greatly because for me, it was the first time that I personally had seen true compassion in her. I could just, I mean, I just knew it. it. It affected me so deeply that I started crying, not even because of Jenny, but because I saw in my five-year-old this, this, this thing in her that just, fed, her heart was broken for her friend, because she knew that she had been sick for the past month. That's what compassion is. Compassion is hard to come by in our, in our culture, our society, I think. It's like, it seems like people are so hard sometimes that they're almost, it's just like they don't have time to be compassionate towards anybody else. Or, you know, to give people credit, I understand this feeling as well. Maybe you resonate with this. It's almost like there's so much trouble in the world and it's so easily accessible with Facebook and social media that we're just bombarded with it. Everywhere we go that we, we find ourselves in this place where it's like it almost feels overwhelming so we just feel like we can't do anything. And I just, I just want to talk about compassion tonight. Like, what really is it, and do you have it? Well, as I read this passage in Matthew 14, I, I read through it just one time, and this word stuck out to me. Sometimes that's the way that God speaks to me, but just one word just kind of sticks out. And I was, I was reading through it, and I just I came across that word compassion. I was like, compassion, that's sort of the verb. That's sort of the thing that is leading him to do the other things that he does. What is it about that word? And so I, I started studying, you know, the original language, and I, I came across the actual Greek word, and it's splunk needs am I. Say that three times fast. Splunk needs am I. And I remembered 
There's something about that word. I remembered it from college, splonkna. I was like, why do I remember that word? There's something different about that word. It, it must have some great, deep theological meaning, you know? It must be something that's just amazing and robust. And so, so I click on it to see, because I don't remember everything from college. I mean, nobody's perfect. So I click on the word, and, and this is what the definition, the root of that word is. Bowels. Mm-hmm. Stomach, your stomach. And I was like, that's why I remember that word, because it's weird. <laughs> but I couldn't get it off my, my heart and my head, and I was just thinking, what is it about this word? Because, you know, the passage doesn't say, the passage doesn't say that Jesus was filled with sadness. So you see that Jesus gets off of the boat. Now, now context is everything. We know that, like, you should know, there wasn't, like, dividers, you know, in the different in little subtitles when they originally wrote this. They just kind of wrote it out. And so if you didn't notice the context of this, what is happening is Jesus just heard in the last chapter that his cousin, his beloved cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded meaninglessly, murdered. That's what it says. He found out, uh, actually, I guess it's the beginning of uh, chapter 14 there. He found out that his cousin, that the one whom he said no one ever born of a woman was greater than John. It's like Elijah here preparing the way for Jesus. And he was beheaded by the king meaninglessly. And it says that because of that, verse 13, Jesus heard of this. And so he withdrew to a desolate place. Surely he was feeling sadness, brokenness inside of himself. I know some of you can relate with meaninglessness when it comes to things that happen in our world, and we're like, I don't get it. Sometimes things happen and they hurt us, but at least if there's a higher purpose, we can sort of take it. But when it comes to John the Baptist's murder, it's like there's almost no purpose to it. And so Jesus withdrew, says, to a desolate place, and surely he had sadness. But when he gets off the boat, you see this, I think, in verse 14. He saw the great crowd, and it says he had compassion. Your version might say he was moved with compassion. There is one version that says he felt sorry for them. But it does not say that he had sadness. You see, sadness, what sadness is, is a feeling. Sadness is how I feel when I've watched, like, you know, my favorite show for the last 18 episodes on Netflix, and then it runs out, and you're like, oh, i got to find a new show. I feel sad. <laughs> Lost is over. It doesn't say that he had sadness and that that's why he was moved. It doesn't even say that he had sympathy. You know what sympathy is? is sympathy is an awareness of somebody else's pain. Sympathy is that state that you find yourself in where maybe you really don't resound with it or resonate with it or you've never been through it before, but you, you, you sort of, you're aware that somebody else is in pain, so you, you kind of give them that look or, or you share those words that essentially says, I see you, I see that you're hurting. That's what sympathy is, but that's not what is in this passage. You know, the word isn't even empathy. And what empathy is, is, is somehow this ability to experience what somebody else is experiencing uh, sort of because maybe you've been there before or, you know, uh, your friend loses a loved one and you know what it feels like to lose a loved one. And so when somebody else, you, you sort of sense their pain or their guilt or whatever it is, you sort of have this empathetic way of actually feeling literally like what they're feeling. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what empathy is. 
It doesn't even say that that's how Jesus felt. It goes one step further. It says, Splunkna. He was Splunknizma. He, he had compassion. And so why, why is the definition of that word bowels? That's so weird. But if you think about it, I think it makes perfect sense. Because there's something that goes so far beyond just a feeling of sadness or even sympathy or empathy. There's something that can like stir up deep inside of your guts. You know that feeling that just, it's like something is, is just gut wrenching. You know, we get that term gut wrenching. That's what compassion is. Is when you see something that's happening in the world and there's something that happens so inside of you that you, you have to do something. It's just, it's so stirring you that you're, you're moved to do something. That's what Jesus was feeling. That's what Jesus feels when he sees broken humanity. There's something deep inside of him that says you have to do something. So let me just recap by saying this. If sadness is just a feeling, sympathy is really about awareness, empathy is about experience, and compassion focuses on action. Are, are you with me? Compassion, a heart of compassion, the guts of compassion leads somebody towards action. It's necessary. It's, it's, it's sort of evidence that compassion is there. And so I think that it's extremely important in this passage that that's what it says about Jesus, though he probably was heartbroken and saddened by the death of his cousin. When he gets off the boat, he said, it says that he was moved with compassion towards these people, and he healed their sick. And it goes on to say this. Did you catch all this? It says that the people, the crowds had gathered... And his disciples came to him, and they said, hey, this is a desolate place. Let's just, you know, it's great. We held this healing service. We had this sort of healing conference. You did a, you did a great job, Jesus, healing all their sick. It's time to sort of let them take care of themselves now. This is what his disciples are saying. Let's, let's send them on their way. They need to go buy food. You catch what Jesus said. No. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. You see, the compassion that stirs up in the heart of God calls humanity to a compassion that stirs us up to action. That's what the compassion of God does. You know, it's interesting to me as I was studying this word. This word occurs 12 times in the New Testament, and 100% of the times, it's referring to Jesus. Never once, never one time does it refer to another human being acting with compassion in the New Testament. At least that definition of the word, splunk, needs am I. The guts, the core, that thing that just moves you. But I believe that when Jesus enters into our world, his compassion moves him to action, and his action calls us to likewise take action. That's why he says to his disciples, no, why don't you do something about it? And they said, yeah, but we only have, what, five loaves and two fish? Surely we don't have enough to feed everybody. And what does he say to them? Just, just bring to me what you do have. I've given you some. Bring it. 
And so they do. They bring it, and Jesus blesses it. You've heard all this before. You've heard this story. Feeding of the 5,000, but can you look at it from this lens that there's something in the heart of our Savior it's not, he, he didn't just come just to feed people in some sort of social way. He came another place that says that he looked upon the crowd that was, that's broken and harassed. Friends, we live in a world where people are broken and harassed on every side. We live in a world where people are, are desperately in need, not only of food or safe haven like the refugees. We live in a world where people are in so desperate of need for the love of God. And what does the action and the compassion of God call us to do? He calls us to give them something to eat. That's what the compassionate heart of God does. It calls us to, you've heard it before, be his hands and be his feet. And so I want to ask you, is there anything in your life that you're truly compassionate about? As I looked at my daughter at Costco, I just, I was overwhelmed with this feeling that, I was so blessed by this feeling that she truly cares about this other human being. It's so far beyond just this like, oh, I didn't get a sucker or whatever sort of fit that a five-year-old would normally throw. She was sitting there just crying and crying and crying. And we got in the car. She kept crying. I said, JC, I just, you know, I'm driving a stick, but I just put my hand back there and just held her hand as we drove because I said, it's going to be okay. She said, can we buy her flowers? I said, absolutely, we'll buy her flowers. We delivered the flowers to her yesterday. Why? Because for a five-year-old, that was the action that she thought to take that could maybe relieve this pain. She has no idea what MS is or anything. She just knows that her friend is in bed for a month. Maybe flowers will help. There's something that happens inside of a person that stirs in your guts where you can't not do anything. Have you ever felt that before? It's the reason this church exists. We, you, you think that we just like, you know, this is what we enjoy, just putting on sort of services just for the sake of being religious. It's, I know that most, you know, you're here because you see a, a church and our senior pastor, I'm just going to brag on them for a moment because they're not here and nobody gets to brag on them. I was sitting in a meeting with them on, on Friday morning and, and we're just praying and, and Jehoshua's just crying. And he goes, can one of you just pray for the orphans, please? I can't get it out. I mean, sometimes it takes a video, you know what I'm saying? But if we ever get in the place where we're so hardened and so just like calloused to the brokenness of our world that we're not so moved that we have to do something, then what are we doing? I'm thankful for our pastors that truly have compassionate hearts that would say, we're going to do whatever we can do in this city to reach people because there are broken people in the city. They're hurting, they're harassed. 
That's why we would make shirts like this and go and put on a service down at NIC. We're down there, me and the interns, and, you know, this guy goes out of his way. I'm not even talking to him. I'm talking to some other people. He's 15 feet from me. He goes out of his way to, to say, like, hey, I could save myself. Jesus, da-da-da. I'm like, you're clearly not excited that we're here trying to reach people. So I did my best to go over to him and say, hey, I think maybe you were trying to have me over here something, and I missed it. <laughs> and I know me, dude. I got to be really careful, you know, not to, you know, the face, Jess. I know. I swear, I, I, I put on the smiley face deal, and I was like, hey, I'm going to take the humble position here. I, what did you say? He said, he said, I'm just, I'm just tired of you guys getting in my personal space and inviting me to your, your stuff. I said, I just want to apologize to you for everybody that's done that. I will try and remember you and not invite you to our church, church services again. <laughs> What's your name, man? <laughs> Told me his name. and I uh, just did my best to just maybe leave him with a, a good taste in his mouth. But, you know, it's not like we enjoy the persecution or that we really enjoy, you know, taking down all this musical equipment and just setting it up down in the basement of the sub, but there's something inside of us that says you have to go after these people. You have to go to where they're at and, and do something that would reach them with the love of Jesus Christ. There's something that moves inside of our soul. There's something that moves inside of those that serve in Father's Market. Rob and Kate, I see them. It's not an easy ministry, but there's something inside of them that says, I have to serve these people. It's not about just giving them food. It's about reaching them with compassion and love. I don't, I don't know what your ministry is, but I encourage you, friend, if there's not something in your guts that moves you, then get on your knees and pray about it. Because there's something wrong in you. The Spirit of God should not operate that way in the person of God. The Spirit of God in the person of God should be the action of God flowing through you. Do you have the guts? Do you have the splunkna? Do you have the compassion of our Savior Jesus moving you to action as he was moved to action? Not everybody's going to do the same thing. Not every one of you is going to preach a message like this or work with the young adults or even serve in the Father's Market. Not every one of you maybe is going to be behind allowing the Syrian refugees to come in. I don't, you know, I don't care the hot button issue. I'm not going to address certain hot button issues. I just would say this. If the church wouldn't just stop about every little thing that everybody's arguing about and just say, God, I don't want to, I'm not going to turn to Facebook or this or that or whatever. What is your will, Jesus? What would you have me do to soften somebody else's life? What would you have me do to, to bring love or compassion to somebody? What would you have me do? What would you do if your kingdom came to earth? That's, a, that's what our Savior taught us to pray. Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done. That should be our prayer every morning. Jesus, would your will be done in my life? Worship team, you could come forward. I'm going to sort of tie this together. In just a moment, we are going to take, receive. We're going we're gonna to give. And I want to say, I just want to say this, I want to say this with the most genuine spirit that I can because it's absolutely true, I believe it. You are the most generous church that I've ever seen. 
That's not just something I'm saying. You truly are the most generous church I've ever seen. I mean, above and beyond with legacy, with Winton. And I wish, this, I wish that you guys could have really felt what we, get to, what we get to experience when we go and deliver all these uh, gifts to Winton. And so many things, even in the midst of so many of you giving and giving and giving, you've chosen to give even more. And so I just want to say this before we receive this offering if you're not able to give, then that's okay. I just would ask that you would ask God what he would have you do. Maybe there's a number. That's what it was for us. I just said, Jess, we pray about it? And I said, I feel like this was the number that God gave me. And we sort of agreed upon that. But uh, if it's okay with you guys, just have a, a few moments left in the service. If, if we could just sort of take a moment of just pause and... This is not meant to be like an arm twisting or anything. It's just, we just want to be a church that blesses. And I don't want you to like feel like in the moment you're just sort of, I want us to be a church that hears the voice of the Holy Spirit and listens and obeys. So if you would just bow your head, I'm just going to, as they start to play, maybe even sing a song. Why don't we just pray that God would do whatever God wants to do. We are his vessels, and so if he doesn't impress upon you to give, then you know what? I'm gonna trust that he's not impressing upon you to give. That's okay. But if he tells you to give, then would you be faithful to give? Lord, would you speak to us now? Give us your heart. like to invite our ushers to come forward. As they begin to pass these around, I just, uh, again, want you to know exactly who this is going to. You guys can just start handing those. Half of this money is gonna go to a, a operating orphanage, as it were, here right across from Lake City High School called the Children's Village. And half of the money is gonna go to Honduras to the, the orphanage that you just saw. El Rufugio. 100% of that money is going to go out of this house. And so as you give, I pray that your heart will be blessed to know that those that give, just like Dawn said, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, pouring into these kids, that's, that's what their guts, that's what their guts are leading them. The splunk, now the compassion in their heart, that's what is leading them to do how to serve humanity on this planet is in this way. And we want to bless them. And as it's going around, I just want to, because it's not just about that. 
I believe with all my heart that God wanted so much more, as important as this offering is, I think that God wants so much more from his church than to leave here and not get anything else other than that you gave towards an offering. Again, I just wanna ask, do you really have the guts? Do you have the compassion? Do you have something in your spirit that just stirs you? You know, there's a lot of people that live for themselves in this world. Everybody has a stomach, not everybody has the guts. If one merely has a stomach, they will themselves just desire to be filled. But if you have the guts, you're gonna be moved to help fill somebody else. If you merely have a stomach, you're gonna say, like the disciples, but Jesus, I only have this much. But if you have the guts, you're gonna say, Jesus, I have this much. What will you do with it? He didn't need 5,000 loaves and fish. He just needed exactly what they had. If you only have a stomach, you will search for the blessing. But if you have the guts, you will, like God spoke so many years ago to our father, Abraham, live your life, receive the blessing in order to be a blessing. That's why God keeps his people here on the planet. He spoke it to Abraham so many years ago, I will bless you in order that you will be a blessing to all of humanity. Would you stand to your feet as we close? I, I just, you might not know the lyrics to this song, but uh, they're gonna start singing this song in closing. And I just think that it's such a beautiful prayer that we as a church should pray that, God, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? And if you, if you don't have that thing or that, that group of things or that ministry, if you don't, if you don't have the guts, the, the compassion, the, the splokna inside of your spirit, would you cry out to God for it? Because something needs to work in us, church, that there would be an area that we would just say, I have to, I have to be moved to action in this area. Are you with me? Is anybody else excited about this? Come on, we need God to, to do something in us.